From the pages of Professional Investigator Magazine comes PI Magazine, the podcast. Join us each week for the latest in the world of the professional investigator. Exciting guests, new equipment, marketing tips, software, PI advice, and more. Learn what's new and exciting in PI Magazine, the podcast. Now let's join our hosts and the publishers of PI Magazine, Jim Nanos and Nicole Cusinelli. And welcome everyone to this episode of PI Magazine, the podcast. I'm your co-host, Jim Nanos. I'm a licensed professional investigator based in Southern New Jersey and co-publisher of PI Magazine. I'm joined today by my co-host and co-publisher of PI Magazine, Nicole Cusinelli. Nick, how are you tonight? I'm nursing a very sore back, but other than that, I'm doing wonderful. Do you want to talk about that? No. no. <laughs> Nick looks like she's in pain sitting here, so we'll just we'll just move on. <laughs> uh, working the board today and hopefully pushing all the right buttons is our good friend and PI Magazine contributor, Detective Jack Russell. And we're broadcasting from the PI Magazine studios in southern New Jersey this evening. Nick, who do we have on the show today? Tonight, I am very happy to introduce two guests. Our first guest is Andrea Orozco. Andrea is the co-founder and co-owner of Advanced Professional Investigations out of Castle Rock, Colorado. Andrea has been a professional investigator for over a decade and a half. Her background includes internal investigations and surveillance for a major casino. As former VP of Training for the Professional Private Investigators Association of Colorado, otherwise known as PPIAC, she was responsible for the training and education of investigators throughout the state. Andrea is currently the president of the National Council of Investigations and Security Services, also known as NCISS, and president of the Professional Private Investigators Association of Colorado. We also welcome Tan Smith, owner of Ruby Moon Investigations, based out of Centennial, Colorado. Tan Smith has been an active member of the Professional Private Investigators Association of Colorado for 14 years and has been on the board for 12 years. She is also a member of NCISS and holds the qualification of Certified Forensic Interviewer and is certified in the Forensic Testimonial Evidence Recovery. She's been VP of Training for PPIAC for a number of years and enjoys creating new opportunities for education for investigators. Tan Smith incorporated a Ruby Moon Investigations in 2007, and she specializes in witness interviews and statements and OSINT analysis. We'd like to welcome both of you, Andrea Roscoe and Tan Smith, to the show. Hi, thank you. Thanks for having us, guys. Boys, reading those uh, bios makes me realize we're kind of lifers, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you could be considered that. So, And, and Andrea, you're actually... Uh, you know, you're a veteran now because we've had you on the show before. That's right. You're a frequent flyer, a repeat offender. Old host. Old <laughs> hat. I know. Well, this is actually the first show I think we're doing, Nick, that we're actually having two guests on at the same time. So we're trying to make sure we work out the technical issues. And so far, it seems like uh, we're doing okay. Uh, but we wanted to welcome both of you to the show. And, and before we start, uh, Andrea and Tan, could you just tell us a little about yourselves, and whichever, whichever, whoever wants to go first? I guess I'll go first. Um, I've been an investigator actually for almost two decades now. My company specializes in surveillance. And a big portion of why I joined the boards of not only NCISS, but PPIC, our state association, is because I really feel that giving back to the investigative community is huge. 
we have to leave it and make it better for the next generation coming in. Um, so that's why I joined the board and became president. Uh, I also joined the board about that time too, about the same time. Andrea and I both worked on the conference, the first conference in, what was it, 2006? 2006. Yeah, yeah. It's a great way to help usher in new people into the industry because there really isn't any sort of uh, a standard set out, you know, where you get a piece of paper and it says, okay, go for it. You're an investigator. There are so many things that we can teach new people. And it's really exciting to be able to do that. Well, we wanted to invite both of you folks, both of you ladies onto the show this evening to talk a little about the state of conferences. Uh, Nicole and I have been scrambling over the last, uh, it seems like four or five months now. We're trying to keep the website updated with conferences either, well, initially being postponed and then ultimately several of them have been canceled or rescheduled to the following year and some folks going to uh, virtual conferences. And we thought it was timely given the state of where we're at with COVID and uh, just nobody really knowing what tomorrow or next week is going to bring as far as being able to get together. And we know that you folks are putting together what, you know, we all call the Rocky Mountain Investigators Conference, and you were having some problems with it as far as knowing what to do because of the COVID situation. So ultimately, you went with a virtual conference. So I wanted to chat with both of you. Nick, Nick and I wanted to chat with both of you tonight and see what were the problems that you came across and how did you address them and what was the decision process from the board to go with a virtual conference and how are you, how are you guys handling it? That's a lot. So just run with it, however you want to address those questions. Okay, this is Andrea. I'll take some of that and have Tan take the other part. Um, I think it was a pretty easy decision for us. First of all, when we came into the whole COVID um, mindset that's going on right now with not being able to get together in person for the safety of our members and those attending, we had to sit down and figure out what can we do to still bring training to members and even those that are not members of the association that want to take part in the training, but have it be safe and still have it be something that people can get value from. We had to switch not only for conference minds that are training, but also even our monthly meetings with the board to still be able to conduct business within the association. And, you know, a lot of the uh, databases that are out there now, like the Zoom or GoToMeeting or any of those, made it pretty easy to transition. What we learned really early on is there's obviously some things that you need to have in place, but it's workable. It's workable to have people on from behind their desk of their home or just the comfort of their home and still have them feel like they're getting value out of the association and the ability to make themselves better investigators during this time where they have a lot of time on their hands. So the decision to move it to a virtual based training conference board meeting was pretty easy. We just needed to make sure that we could make it work so it would be seamless. Uh, yeah, this is Tam. It was a real kick in the pants when we found out that we couldn't have our monthly meetings. I mean, we usually, we really look forward to having monthly meetings because of networking, of, of seeing people that we haven't seen otherwise. And, you know, to have that taken from us 
due to safety concerns, I was very glad that we actually had Zoom as an option to turn to. Now you can set the security to Zoom to make sure you don't have eavesdroppers and to make sure that everybody that is, is there is supposed to be there. And it's nice to be able to still see each other and talk with each other. Um, it, it's the next best thing that you can do if you can't have something in person. Now, when we found out that it, there was a likelihood, a good likelihood, that there may be a second wave coming through, uh, we realized that, okay, we've got to scramble and get this set up quickly because we're just a few weeks out from the conference and we still need to get advertisements out there. The nice thing about this, uh, the, the silver lining, is the fact that we're no longer restricted to a geographical location. We've got people that can, that can join the conference from the East Coast and not have to worry about any sort of travel costs incurred, uh, not worry about a per diem for you know, meals and not worry about actually catching anything because they can attend the conference from the safety and comfort of their own home. And we've also got that aspect with speakers too. We've got a lot of terrific speakers that we're able to tap into. So we can still provide this sort of information for our, our members and we've still got newbies coming in. We've got new people joining that are that have no idea about any of this stuff. So to be able to, you know, listen to speakers that we've got uh, that have been in the industry for years, uh, it's a real treat for them to be able to do that. And I'm very glad that we can provide this to our members and to our guests. I have to admit, though, I thought it was going to be a couple of months. I never thought that when we had to move to this type of format that it would be something that we would have to look at for the long term. We thought maybe a couple of months of having to, to transition to this type of format uh, would be something that we would have to do, but it's become a long-term thing. Right. And, and personally, I can't believe it's going on. <laughs> right. And you know, it's, it's so true what you're speaking to this COVID has I mean, at one point, even in New Jersey, and I think all the states, at one point, I believe everyone thought that it was it was decreasing, and it was uh, I don't I don't want to say going away, but everyone had this feeling that we were almost out of the woods, so to speak, and then all of a sudden, it just ramped up. So, w with that said, at what point, because it is such a, a transition, and the great thing about it, I agree, is that uh, because it is a will be a virtual conference is that uh, many more people can hop on even, even last minute. I mean, you know, Jim, you know oh, yeah. how much preparation we take to, to attend a conference as, you know, as, as part of PI magazine and PI just as Gear. vendors. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's, it's a, it takes months of preparation and you have to have yeah. your room, uh, you know, room and board and, and uh, not room and board, sorry, <laughs> your, or your room, excuse me. And everything, everything set up your airfare for us. And in our case, we have airfare, we have to get that all set up uh, ahead of time. My question is, when did you decide to actually transition? I mean, this, this conference is set to go October 2nd and 3rd. When did you guys decide to transition that to the virtual? Was it just a few weeks ago? When did you make that hard decision? No, we actually decided this quite some time ago. Um, I, I would say within the last couple of months. What we needed to do first is we had to look and see what the downfalls and the good parts of, of having an online forum would be 
we needed to try it out. And the good thing is we had our city training, which is our annual training for new investigators coming into the profession, kind of giving them the whole overview of what they're walking into to start it off. So we had a couple of days of training that were going to be all day training, which gave us a pretty good idea of what a conference would look like. And after that, that was a couple of months ago. After that, Tan and I looked at each other and thought, why are we not doing this for the conference? It's working just fine for two eight-hour day trainings and for board meetings and regular monthly trainings. So the transition to doing a two-day conference should be fairly easy. But what we had to figure out is how do we make it work for vendors? How do we give vendors that time if they still want to promote products? Like you guys, I mean, one of the things we love about you guys, when you guys come to our conferences, or even if I attend other conferences and I see you there, you guys bring tables worth of stuff. So we had to figure out how are we going to highlight sponsors and vendors so they can still promote their items and get some value and to have the conference goers also get uh, value out of that. So the decision for the conference was actually made a couple of months ago, would you say that, Dan? Yeah, it was It was very soon after uh, our initial city. That was the trial by fire. It was. And uh, yeah, there, boy, everything that went right made us realize we can do this for a conference. We can still have a conference. We would much rather have one in person, but this wasn't too bad as a follow-up for another option. So after city, you know, it was it was pretty straightforward. It's like, okay, we, we don't know what's going on. We can't wait much longer to have the governor say, no, I think we're gonna have to shut down again. We, we couldn't take that risk. Yeah, that's a very good point. And for the future, I mean, if this COVID does not lift, this, this may be, indefinitely, and I, I hate to use that word, but this may be the way things are going because we really don't know uh, the outcome of this. And just to interject uh, for any listeners, because uh, I, I, Jim, I was just on the website today and I updated uh, the website with the conferences because every day it's either there's one being postponed or canceled or dates being changed. Yep. But just for our listeners, oh, yeah. if you go to the uh, PI Magazine website, you will see the information uh, listed there in the uh, conference section about the upcoming conference for the PPIAC. And uh, we also will have an advertisement as well in the magazine in the upcoming issue. You know, what we saw early on was, <clears throat> excuse me, what we saw early on was we, we started getting calls from some associations that initially, and hindsight always being 2020, if they had taken the, the path that you folks had taken, it would have probably worked out a little bit better. But initially, most of the associations, they can't, they postponed their conferences and they canceled their meetings. Had they yeah. maybe postponed their conference and immediately went to virtual meetings, they would have maybe seen exactly what you did. We might be able to manage the conference as just a, a, a ramped up version of a, of a meeting. Uh, but I think the fact that they canceled their meetings and, and postponed their conferences, they, they didn't get that early test of either a Zoom platform or something similar and, and go with a virtual option. And what we saw were people that postponed their conferences then realized that we, we can't just keep postponing the conference. 
And ultimately, most yep. of the associations we've been dealing with have either rescheduled them for next year or canceled them indefinitely until the dust settles. Nick, I'm sorry. Go ahead. And let me jump in. Uh, it's interesting because you folks may be blazing a trail. I don't know, and I don't want to speak incorrectly, but I don't know of any conference right now that is having a virtual conference. Do you know of any, Jim? Not state associations. Now, there are some training sessions out there that training. have switched, that had scheduled conferences, have switched to virtual, which is, you know, very similar to a, a state association of conference, but it's a, a private business. Right. There's, you know, I'm thinking Cynthia Heatherton, um, I think she switched to yeah. virtual, and, and there's probably a few other ones out there, too. Mm -hmm. She's just the first one that pops into my mind. So I think they recognized yep. early on also that, you know, we, we can't postpone. And then the other thing we noticed early on, which was, it's sort of funny when you think about it, is when people postpone conferences, the people that, let's say you postpone your conference for a month. Well, the person that had their conference scheduled for that month then, now you've got two conferences vying for the same period. Maybe not both, obviously, uh, PI associations, but the conference centers, you know, they book way out in advance. So when you postpone your conference a month, it doesn't ma automatically mean the conference that was originally scheduled for that period also gets booted a month. So you're basically condensing many more conferences into a shorter period of time, and it just wasn't going to work. Right. Everyone doesn't move down the road. It's just condensed, and it, it just wasn't working. And, and that's what led us to, mm -hmm. I guess, where we're at now. And, and as Nicole said, I, I'm trying to think of somebody else who's even discussed a virtual conference and I don't think there's anybody, but but you folks are the the only ones I can think of off the top of my head that are um, doing it right now. I'm sure there's several other that are are kicking the tires and trying to figure out is this something that's workable, and uh, you know they're probably trying to figure out if they're going to be able to do it close to what you're you're going to pull off. And you know what, Jim, that's what it takes. You have to kick those tires. We had to be honest with ourselves and evaluate every single training session we gave and look back at it, record it, check and see what worked and what didn't, what needs to be tweaked. Um, we solicited input from other board members and we have one, uh, Sam Petito, that is also on the NALI board that is really good at giving input of, look, this worked, this didn't work, this is what you guys need to change. Um, we also polled the people taking part because they're the ones that will tell us honestly look, it was too much to sit in a chair and watch a screen for an hour, or we need more breaks, or we need to do this, that gave us the opportunity of honestly looking at what worked and what didn't and tweak it to where we can hold something akin to a conference. And there's something you said, Jim, that also made me think next year, if COVID lifts, and if we are lucky enough for all of us to have our conferences again, people are going to have to pick and choose because we're also going to have people that are not going to be able to afford to travel. We're going to have people that are not going to want to travel all over that are going to want to finally take that time with family that are going to pick and choose which conferences they're going to take part. And as an association with meetings, training and conferences, usually during the year, now you're an entire year down. So what are you really giving your members if you're not offering an alternate? Right. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the PI Magazine hat off for a second and put the PI gear hat on. And I can say from a vendor yeah. standpoint, uh, the concern we have from a vendor standpoint is, I think last year, Nicole and I did close to 30 conferences, maybe a little bit more. But from a vendor standpoint, right. I, I try to say, well, how am I going to um, represent the product that I'm selling, whether, whether I'm a database provider, I'm an insurance company, or I'm a company such as PI Gear selling equipment? 
how, how do I get in front of the audience at the conference? And I, I know from a conference standpoint, Nicole and I both have been involved in, in our conferences here in New Jersey, and the vendor participation is such an important part because it, it does pay a lot of the bills. But right. from a vendor standpoint, how do I get that FaceTime um, with with the participants and how can I actually develop that relationship? Because so much of a vendor business is relationship. You speak to somebody, you click with somebody, they know that you're you're representing the product and that when they call, they're going to talk to Jim and not you know, somebody in an offshore course call center who was selling mattresses yesterday and selling cars next week. Right. They're talking to me all the time. The same guy and the same girl, Nicole, who were standing behind the table at the conference. And there's great value in that. But how, how do you then transfer that in a virtual conference where, where we get that same effect and, and it's, it's concerning for us now from a, an association standpoint, I'm just thinking now, if we were to be putting a conference on in New Jersey virtually, I would, approach it as, well, our costs to put the conference on are going to be significantly less because we don't have the hotel. We don't have a lot of the, the extras that come that people don't realize that you have to foot as, when I say you, I mean the association to actually you know, host a conference at a host conference center at a motel, or, or I should say a hotel or a conference center. It's expensive. And, and I'm assuming right. that the costs to do it virtually are probably substantially less, yet you're not going to necessarily get that same income and I'm using the air quotes here at my fingers, the income you would have from having vendors. So uh, one side of the hat, one side I'm looking at, well, it would be so much, I I think less expensive to do a virtual conference yet. You're, you're really going to eliminate a lot of the vendor participation and that vendor um, uh, plus that maybe some of your attendees want to see or want to participate with and, and see the vendor. So how did, how did the vendor component of it, factor into your decision and, and what was some of the thought process? I'm so glad you asked that. <laughs> there is quite a learning curve to holding a conference versus a training seminar, such as our two day training seminar. And we did have to consider the vendors ROI because despite the fact that their output for money, you know, whether it's travel or, or staying in a hotel or the conference center or whatever, would be mitigated somewhat by having people stop by their booth or having a small presentation or whatever, uh, helping to cut the cost of that. In a virtual conference, what we decided was what we want to do is have the vendors have FaceTime with the the people that are attending, um, such as PI gear. Uh, I've got, I know I have at least three newbies that are very, very anxious for this conference because they want to see about the PI gear. They have no idea what is available in the field now, and they're hoping to see demonstrations. Uh, I know that we usually have Mike Yergi at our conference as well. And I'm sure that they have questions for them. The nice thing about Zoom is that it's not only got a chat feature that you can do privately, but if we have presentation time allotted for the vendors, they can give a small presentation. They can field questions from the attendees. And other attendees can also chime in and say, why, yes, I've used this particular camera. It works very well for night shots or I've used this one, but I haven't used that for inside video. Can you tell us the difference? So 
it's it's more of a participatory sort of um, situation where people can actually talk and ask questions and have conversations to include the vendors. I also want to add to that, Jim. I know one of the things that we were concerned about is when you're taking part in these conferences, especially as a vendor or even as an attendee, what you're looking for is that personal connection and that face time with people where you can really make a connection and talk to them about a product, talk to them about, you know, whatever uh, you just learned about where they can meet other people that are like-minded and have been in the industry for a long time. And some of that is going to be lost. I'm not going to, I'm not going to sugarcoat that, but right now people are so um, glad to get any type of face time that to have that venue with, 30, 40, 50 people that normally you would only have a couple people in front of your table at a time, you're going to have everyone's attention. And I think that's going to be huge in itself. Well, that, that's true. And, and I, I'm not trying to monopolize this and make this about PI gear, but just from a vendor standpoint, as you said, that personal relationship is something that we really value. And that's something we try to, yeah. to develop mm-hmm. and, and a, a customer loyalty because People call me all the time with questions about gear and, and I'll tell them, and I do the same thing at your show. If, if it's not the right piece of equipment for what you're trying to do, I'll tell you, don't spend the money with me and I'll tell you where I think you should go to buy the piece of equipment. And people, they, they uh, respect that. And the next time they want to buy a piece of equipment, they'll probably call me first. And that's what we try to develop. And, and it's so hard to do that virtually. And this is a learning experience for us also. And we're going to have to try to develop some sort of a, a program to be able to address probably many more questions virtually over, or even after the conference uh, than we would right. probably in person. So, you know, we're, we're trying to get our arms around that at the same time. And I, I know most vendors and, you know, when we do the conference circuit, I guess you call it, and, you know, we do all these conferences, you, you tend to have that core group of vendors that go from conference to conference to conference. There's a couple that won't go to that show and a couple that'll jump into this show. Right. But it's that same group and you, mm-hmm. you know, we develop a relationship with the other vendors also. And I know oh, yeah. in speaking to some of the other vendors, the concern is not having that in-person uh, time, FaceTime, like, as you said, with that potential customer. And if, if we have virtual time, you know, how many people are actually watching opposed to maybe got up and went to the kitchen to get a, uh, a beverage or make a sandwich because the sure. vendor's on um, and, but we have that at the conference too. I mean, you guys have breaks and yep. if you have a hundred attendees, there's not a hundred attendees in front of my table. Even if you look at all the vendors, it's probably not a hundred people. Some just go right to the coffee urn and they hang out there and we, we get that little group. So it's something that as a vendor and I'm trying, I guess I'm speaking for all the vendors here. Uh, you know, it's something we all have to address is how, how do we continue that personal relationship or try to continue to build that personal relationship that we value even with PI Magazine, it's the same thing with Nicole when she's got the magazines at the table and I'm next to her with gear. Is it so important that oh, sure. we, we look at people and we develop that relationship? And I, and that's clearly something that you guys have taken into consideration and, and not just said, well, this is the way it's going to be. Because just listening to you, I can tell that you put a lot of thought into it. How is this going to affect the vendors and how is it going to affect that relationship between the vendor and, and our members? Well, and the reason that we think about that, too, is not just because of the associations. I always take myself myself out of the box and put myself in the shoes of the people that we're trying to cater to. 
I'm not only a business owner, but we also go to client events and we're vendors as well. So I know really well what it is that you're looking for, what's important to the vendor and to sponsors. And we thought outside the box to the point of where we thought, gosh, how can we create those personal relationships that they don't, they won't get with the whole room full, Zoom room full of people that they're going to be speaking to. And what we thought we might do is to create separate links for each vendor where people can pop into the room, so to speak, and have that conversation one-on-one or just a couple of people um, have that conversation with you just like they would if they were in front of your table. Almost like a sub room where you go to the vendor time yeah. and you have, if you have 10 vendors, you would have 10 sub rooms and maybe this participant wants to go to the gear guy and that one wants to go to the insurance guy and the other one wants to go to uh, the database guy. Um, so it's almost like you exactly. have a table you can walk up to, except virtually you're going to a room. Yep. And that, you will know that's a fabulous idea. It. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that gives you the opportunity to still have those FaceTimes with people. The other thing that we're going to be um, giving to people's virtual magazines that are going to have the vendor information in there, um, you know, kind of almost like a flip builder magazine, if you're familiar with that, mm-hmm. where they can click on the link and it takes them right to your site and right to your information. But I think the separate rooms for the vendors are going to be what's going to be very important to you guys, because you can still have those conversations. If they want to take a half an hour and talk to you about a certain product or have you walk them through an issue that they're having and they don't know what equipment to get to solve that issue, you're still going to be able to have that. Now you're going to need a computer handy to make sure that you're able to enter those rooms, but it gives you the opportunity to still have those one-on-ones. That's, that's a great feature and it's a great idea. And I'm so glad you, you thought about that. And it's encouraging here that you're actually taking it that serious as the, the vendor relationship. And, and I know we've spoken about this, Andrew, offline, um, but most people, they don't realize when a vendor comes to your show, from a vendor standpoint, as an attendee, as a vendor, and also as a, a host, I'm saying, when, we, when I helped with our, our conferences here in New Jersey, I, I can't think of the last show that Nicole and I actually went to that you actually leave in the black. I mean, it's just how far right. in the red you are. Some shows you're in yeah. the red really far. Some shows you're not in the red too far. Um, but I can't think of the last one that we actually came away in the black. Where, where you make, I'm going to say make your money, um, is that continued relationship over the year when yep. people, for the rest of the year, when somebody wants a tracker or they want to, a camera or something, they're going to call the guy that they spoke to at the show. And it, it, again, it just goes back to how important that relationship is. And this is probably the way you've designed this or the way you're going to lay this out is probably a really good way that we're going to be able to hopefully continue on that relationship. And, and you might even get more attendees than you may have had, had it, it simply been yep. a, a, an in-person conference. Cause you know, often we know I, we, Nicole and I know the expenses of going to these conference as an attendee and as a vendor. And it's, it's not mm-hmm. cheap when, you start putting all the numbers together, not including missing the time at work. So you might end up with a higher attendee rate, which actually may benefit the vendors in the long run. It's going to be hard to gauge that exactly. and hard, how to, hard to put that number to that, but it, uh, we don't have another choice. And I think in the long run, it might even help us more because you might end up with a few hundred attendees instead of just 150. Well, there's no limitations with the online conferences or even the online training. You don't have the limitation of just having people in a small area or, you know, small cities to come together. 
or and you're not going to have that consideration of all the other overhead costs that go along with going to conferences. You'll have the initial conference fee and that's it. So I, I agree we may end up having a higher number of people and it may help the vendors and sponsors create those relationships on the forefront where now next year if we're able to everyone get together, they're going to know who you are. But the whole purpose for us doing this to begin with was number one, to still give value to our members, to help people feel like they have some type of control right now in a time where we have no control and where everything is so topsy-turvy to make themselves better investigators during this time where a lot are sitting and have idle time on their hands, but in the same token too, to be able to still create that marketing for the vendors that they haven't had the opportunity to have all year long. Right now, you know, Jim, you sort of answered the question I was going to ask. Uh, I'm just going to think really outside the box here and, and put this question out there. Uh, of course, the in-person meetings that we have at, at the uh, conferences are invaluable. I don't, I don't think there'll ever be a replacement for that. But no. let's just say, Andrea and Tan, that this conference just, you just hit it out of the park. And uh, the attend. I mean, Jim, how many times do we say how low the attendance has been in a lot of these conferences? I mean, every year they just get, unfortunately, they just get lower and lower. The expenses are going up. And, right. the, you know, a lot of time the attendee numbers seem like they're going down. Right. And, of course... For us, it, it really doesn't make a difference because, as Jim had mentioned, we meet people, we get that face-to-face, -face, and I have people that will call me months later and say, oh, yeah, I met you at the table, and uh, we had some time together, yep. and and that's invaluable. Mm -hmm. But let's just say this really takes off, and there are the pluses where the minimal cost and more uh, of a higher attendance, and let's, let's just say that that does take off. Would this be something that you think – without COVID being an issue, would ever replace maybe these in-person conferences? Is that something fair to ask? Or, I mean, how, wh what's your opinion on that? We have discussed that. It's definitely a fair question. Um, and I've not heard it just in this forum, but even in meeting forums, you know, is this the way we're going to conduct meetings from now on? I don't think that we can ever totally replace because that in-person, face-to-face, handshake, giving the cola hug thing right. is huge. <laughs> A lot of us, you know, the camaraderie in the investigative profession is huge. Look, guys, we have such stressful jobs that that's our way to let our hair down. We look forward to going to these conferences, and a lot of people look forward to coming to our conferences. So I'm, I don't I'm making think never totally... I'm making a note that there was a hug for Nicole and nothing for oh. Jim. So I guess I guess Rob's <laughs> going to have to give me my hug, right? <laughs> I was going to come to you next. You've gotten yeah, the hugs. Yeah, yeah, You've yeah. gotten the hugs. Yeah. But, but no, I, and if I can be, if I can step out of, you know, last year when we went, I mean, we really, we had such an amazing time. I will, and we, we love all the conferences, but I really, I've never been to Colorado and I, I just had a fantastic time. And of course, you know, you guys rolled out the red carpet. We, we got our little care package. We, we've got, we, we, we had the homemade cupcakes. I mean, we don't get that kind of treatment no. everywhere and you don't get that. You don't get that in a virtual conference. So just this, that alone no. was just the welcome mat was rolled out for us. And we, we really felt we, very we special. We really enjoyed that. Andrew, have you given any thought to maybe moving forward a hybrid of this where if, if we're fortunate enough yeah. within a year or so to go to that in-person, back to the in-person conference, but at the same time, maybe take it virtual also for those folks that 
you know, can't get there in person. Uh, I, I think the, you know, the, the downside of that is I think a lot of folks that maybe come to the conference might opt for that, even if they were going to come to the conference in person. So we might end up with smaller groups of people in person in smaller venues, but ultimately you'd be opening up the conference maybe to more attendees where, you know, people that can't either physically can't get there or financially just don't be, aren't able to take off a week from work or a couple of days from work to be able to come to a conference. Maybe if you did a hybrid version of that, we'd be able to get a, a larger overall attendees number. Yeah, we've, we're actually looking into that right now and we're getting quotes for what something like that would cost if it would be cost prohibitive or, or if it be, could be something that we could make work in the future, what it may likely look like is doing a little bit of both. If we can't do a hybrid, if that's too much, uh, then we might do one, you know, virtual conference per year or learning type thing. And then the in-person conference, I think by next year, everybody's going to get, be ready to get together. I agree. We're going to jump out for a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to continue on with Andrea and Tan. And we want to talk a little bit about, uh, what you guys have in store for the Rocky Mountain Investigators Conference in October. So everyone, hold on. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by PI Magazine, the most respected voice of the professional investigator featuring stories and articles on current topics, equipment reviews, marketing tips, and investigative advice for the professional investigator. Don't miss a single issue of PI Magazine. Visit PIMagazine.com and subscribe today. PI Directory, the go-to directory for the professional investigator. List your agency today and detail your investigative specialties and coverage areas. PIDirectory.com, get your listing today. Go to PIDirectory.com. PI Gear, for all your professional investigator equipment needs, go to PIGear.com. Professional grade equipment and advice for real surveillance experts and professional investigators. Visit PIGear.com. PI Gear, where the pros shop. Now back to our hosts, Jim Nanos and Nicole Cusinelli. And welcome back, everybody, to PI Magazine, the podcast. We're chatting tonight with Andrea Orozco and Tan Smith, and we're discussing the Rocky Mountain Investigators Conference and how it's transitioned from an in person conference to a virtual conference coming up October 2nd and 3rd. And ladies, while we were on break, Nicole and I was chatting and she said that we absolutely immediately had to address the following issue that she thinks that we may forget it. So Nick, I'll turn the mic over to you because I know this is important to you. You know, I always have the really important questions. So what I would like to know, I see as part of the, uh, the lineup here, there's a virtual cocktail hour. Now, do I just make my own drink and show up on... <laughs> In front of the computer? How does that work? I, I was, I'm just curious, how the, how does the virtual cocktail hour work? Because I'm really interested in that. Well, you know what? We actually did that for PPIC. I just decided, I'm kind of like a mom when it comes to my associations. I want to kind of check in and make sure everybody's okay. So we had a virtual cocktail hour, and people enjoyed it so much, we thought we would do that with uh, the conference. So what that what that consists of is you just make your own cocktail or mocktail and you sit and we just chat and have fun and not have it be a stressful thing, but to actually just kind of connect again. That's perfect. I like that. Well, we're looking forward to that. That's for sure. <laughs> so we'll have to set up a, a, a small bar here in our office. Uh, lady, yeah, ladies, you go. Uh, Maybe we'll have a wine tasting. 
Absolutely. I, I know Nicole mentioned what a great conference you put on and, and, and she's not kidding. It, it really is a great conference and uh, it's, it was fun to go to and it was great people. So the conference is scheduled a virtual concert conferences for scheduled for October 2nd and 3rd. So if you would, would take a few minutes and tell us what you have in store and what we can look forward to at this conference. This is Pam. And what we're doing a little bit differently than we would normally do with an in-person conference is it's going to be going for about six hours per day because we don't want people, the last thing we want to do with the conference is have terrific speakers and people so burned out at staring at their screen for hours and hours and hours that they don't enjoy themselves. So it's a little bit shorter, but we've got some fantastic speakers lined up with very relevant topics. I mean, despite the fact that COVID has brought everything to a screeching halt, there are changes and updates the way things are done in the industry. So, for example, we've got Ed and Jabe of Nighthawk Strategies talking about the latest and greatest for the online and social media investigations going beyond the big sites. Um, we've got John Hoda talking about marketing and maybe some strategies of things that can be done because I don't think we're ever going back to the way things were before COVID. So we've got to adapt and overcome these difficulties. Uh, we have Matt Spire talking about accident site photography. And this is a huge thing in the industry now. I, I thought it was big before, but it's enormous now. And a lot of people need to refresh themselves to some of these old school and new school tips. I'm really excited that we've got Jen Brown talking about the use of genealogy and in investigation. I don't know about you guys, but I've been poking around on Ancestry while everything is kind of up in the air. And I know a lot of other people are too. And there are ways to use genealogy in your investigations and the, the opposite too, using investigations in conducting your own genealogy. So that's exciting. And of course, the fact that you guys are there talking about PI gear is also huge. I think I mentioned the fact that I've got at least three newbies that are champing at the bit to see what's available. I mean, I already told them not to expect a shoe phone, but um, <laughs> other types of gear, they're really excited about that. And the fact that there is a trade magazine, PI magazine, they had no idea. So we've got some bright-eyed and bushy-tailed people excited to see this. Well, the lineup is quite. The lineup is quite impressive, and most of these guys, Nick and I, have we know, and they're they're always great presenters. And and I'm going to tell you, I'm going to participate in the whole the whole conference and watch the whole thing too, because it's it's obviously something. There's always something to learn, and this is just an absolute great lineup you put together. Awesome! I'm really glad you guys think that. I know this is a little bit nerve wracking. You know, we were a little bit nervous when we decided to do this, but you know what? Like I tell people when they take part in our trainings, we're going to have some glitches. There may be some things that are going to happen, but you know what? We're going to do the best that we can to give a really good conference, and that's all we can do. So I don't know if I'm I'm going to put you on the spot on this one, uh, but is the, uh -oh. is the conference, is it open, or can people from outside of the state, are you encouraging other folks to 
attend if they were interested in, I mean, some of the, the speakers you have here, it's not Colorado specific. So I'm looking at a lot of these topics and I'm thinking if I were able to attend your conference virtually as a professional investigator in New Jersey, I, I would pay the money and attend the conference because these are topics that I'm interested in, regardless of whether it's, you know, the speakers in Colorado or he's virtually logging on. It's still, I still see great value to this, especially when you consider a lot of states are not having any training or any conference. So can we, is it able, are you able to have other folks log on? Is that something you're encouraging or something you're open to? Oh, absolutely. We're going to be screaming this from the rooftops. We're going to have marketing go out starting next week. The conference is $129 for both days for guests to attend. So we're going to open it up to anybody and everybody that wants to attend the conference. And we're hoping to get people from around the country. Our trainings so far have been getting people from other states. It's worked really well. That's the nice thing about the online forum. It really doesn't matter where you are as long as you have a good connection. And as if we haven't already mentioned to our listeners, uh, if you want to learn more details about the conference, please visit the PPIAC website. That's www.ppiac.org. And everything uh, that you need to know about registration and speakers will be listed on that site. Is that correct, Andrea and Tan? Yes, that's correct. And we do want other people from other states to come and, and enjoy the conference. We want to hear what they have to say. We want to meet them. We want to network with them. You never know when we get a case that, you know, is in another state. We, we have, want to have names that we can pass them to. So it's a great way to meet new people. Well, we're looking forward to it. Now, before we wind down the show, how about a little plug for both of your businesses? So either one of you is want to go first, tell us how our listeners can get in contact with you. And I fully anticipate you're probably going to get some calls from other associations that are saying, hey, we want to talk to you about how you put this together and if you can maybe help us put something similar together because this is such a great idea and you, you really are the leading the pack here. No one else is doing this and we're so excited to be part of it. But I want to make sure that you put a little plug in for both of yourselves also. Oh, well, thank you so much. Jim and Nicole, you guys are always so wonderful to us. I really appreciate you having us on today. Again, my name is Andrea Orozco. My company name is Advanced Professional Investigations in Castle Rock, Colorado. We specialize in surveillance and in um, online investigations. You can reach us at apisurveillancespecialist.com and check out the conference. Any Anybody that's interested, please check out ppic.org. And for the associations that are interested in how we put this together and how it works or just want to ask questions, please give me a call, 720-933-9301. Thanks for this opportunity, Jim and Nicole. It was great talking with you. My name is Tan Smith. That's tan like the color. And my business is Ruby Moon Investigations. You can reach me at rubymooninvestigations.com. I'm out of Centennial, Colorado, and I specialize in witness interviews and statements and OSINT. I would be happy to talk with anybody from associations who are interested in putting this together but don't know where to begin. They can reach me at training at ppiac.org. That forwards right to my email. And I'd be happy to talk with them and give them some ideas of how to, how to do this. And we'll make sure that all your contact information, including the association and the website links are on our show notes for this episode. And Andrea 
or tan or, or both. Is there anything else that we may have missed uh, that you would like to add uh, for the, our listeners before we depart for the evening? I think you guys covered it all, and I really appreciate all the questions. Well, it's our pleasure. We miss you guys. I'm sorry? <laughs> we miss you guys. We miss you. Yeah, we, <laughs> we can't wait to see you again virtually. You know, you know, this okay. was the this was the one trip I like. I said I I can't tell, and I'm not just saying this. I really I I loved Colorado, and I was looking forward to coming out there again. So I'm, I'm sad to I'm sad that it won't be happening in person. But uh, this is a nice uh, a nice substitution for what you guys put on. So we appreciate everything that you do for the uh, the PI professionals, and of course for the the, the PPIAC as well. We we appreciate that, and just uh keep up the, the, the great work that you're doing. You're just a, both uh, just such a blessing uh, to the profession. Thank you. And an asset. Thank you. You're welcome. We're going to wrap up this episode of PI Magazine, the podcast. I'd like to thank our guests, Andrea Orozco and Tan Smith, and of course my co-host, Nicole Cusinelli, and board operator detective Jack Russell who did an outstanding job this evening. Remember to support the advertisers and friends who support our profession and make this show possible. Join us next week for another episode of PI Magazine, the podcast. Until then, I'm your host, Jim Nanos. And remember, stay professional and keep investigating. Thank you for joining us in this episode of PI Magazine, the podcast. Join us next week for a new and exciting show with your hosts and the publishers of PI Magazine, Jim Nanos and Nicole Cusinelli. Remember to check out our guests and sponsors' websites to support those who support our profession. Visit PIMagazine.com for the latest links, conference updates, and professional news, and subscribe today. Thank you again, and remember, keep investigating.